might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. All right, welcome to another episode of Metal Tales. We are going to be talking about the Boston College show at the Harvard Athletic Complex. This was May 29th, 2022. I'm here with my good friends, Christian Post and Dave Ferraro, who I've hung out with in the flesh when I have been lucky enough to travel up in their uh, hometown of Boston. And by the way, go Celtics. Go Celtics. Can't believe they're back. It's so exciting. Obviously, a very famous franchise, but it hasn't really had much going on in the last 10 years. Now, I would have told myself before this year that if the Golden State Warriors made it to the finals, I'm going for the Golden State Warriors because how can you not like Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time? He really seems like a good husband, good dad, doesn't really talk shit, seems like a nice guy. Draymond's a big talker, but he's kind of likable because he's funny. Steve Kerr, multiple-time champion with my beloved Bulls. What's not to like? But here's the deal, guys. I knew it. Enter the Celtics. Well, I knew in Game 3 against the Mavs, when Steph hit one of his crazy Steph threes, and then he did shimmy down the whole court, kind of in Luca's face, which Luca's kind of my homie, and my heart went cold, and I knew I would not be able to forgive them for the rest of this season. And so oh I started pulling hard for Boston, and now that Boston has made it, I'm full-on Boston Celtics all the way. Let's go, baby. I got a Larry Bird jersey. Let's go. I got a Jason oh, yeah. Tatum jersey. I'm excited. I'm excited. Game one Thursday. Are you guys going to be able to go to any of the games? Is that even possible? The tickets as of now are like $800 for the nosebleeds. Oh, so uh, no. I, I may have a connect, but it's not the type of one where I could I could pull that, especially for this yeah. kind of game. Right. And, and Christian, we're not professional touring musicians. So that, that know, is correct. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, dude. If I can't get into the garden, no one can. Come on. Do you know who I am? <laughs> exactly. I, I wrote motherfucking Lunar Satan. Damn That's it. right, dude. Maybe Larry Bird's a fan and he can pull some strings, but you know he's spinning that. Well, he's in Indiana. What else can you do there except listen to the Satanic Space Metal? That's like one of the only That's hobbies true. available to someone out there. Yeah, there's, there's not much going on in French Lick these days. <laughs> Well, I do appreciate you guys doing this on such short notice. Of course, longtime friends of the show. And uh, I'm excited to hear about the show itself. I've heard some conflicting accounts of maybe how the sound was and maybe the vibe. Festivals, as we all know, is, there's a bit of a trade-off on set list and stuff. But the good thing is you guys got to hang out with a bunch of buddies kind of from the podcast and otherwise. So fill me in on the whole, give me the whole spiel of the journey. So when was Namarta up here, Christian? About a month and a half ago? Yeah, about, that sounds about right. And Namarda, we wanted her to be here for this too, but she's got some st stuff going on. She couldn't be here today. But Namarda, hi. Hello. Hi, Namarda. Long time Hello. Hi, welcome. <laughs> and I still have your shower cap. <laughs> Wait, so that's a real thing. I saw I saw that on the socials. So did she like really take a shower cap and left a shower cap over there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that you said you were going to like put it in the shadow box of like the show with the set list. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
or maybe you can uh, work it in to be some sort of a giveaway or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, we've got the Black Album box out over here. Over here, we've got a signed Ray Burton uh, photograph of Cliff right before he passed away. And then we've got Namarta shower cap. So uh, let the rioting commence. We'll have to get it autographed. <laughs> so were her and, uh, for those who may not know, Namarta and Hari, who live in Jersey, were they just up visiting just for, for pleasure, for fun? So about a month or so ago, Namarta was in Boston for, uh, for work stuff. And okay. we just all got together like one afternoon and had some drinks and food. and we were sitting at a table at a restaurant. It was Christian, myself, my wife, Lindsay, Namada, Namada Hari, and Nabil, I think, right? Nabil was, yeah, there. Nabil was there. And we were talking about the Boston show, and Namada said something like, oh, she didn't think she could make it or whatever. And I just looked at her. I was like, buy tickets. Come. Come back up here. And less than 10 minutes later, she had bought tickets. She's like, okay, we're coming. <laughs> Hari, Hari was, it wasn't a hard convince. He's like, all right, let's go. Yeah, it was the easiest peer pressure sell in history. It was. She was like, "Okay, we'll just go." Awesome. Well, well, so that's fun. So then you have it on the books. You have it to look forward to. You know, I remember you were. I mean, you. I remember you saying when I saw you at Hard Rock. I think was the last time I saw Christian. Did I see you at Hard Rock, or was it just at uh, Paradise? I know it was. It was Paradise, and then House of Blues. House of Blues, not Hard Rock. That's right. So when I saw you guys there, you re- I, me- I just remember you saying that if the Celts made it, Game 7 would be the night of Boston calling. And of course, it, it came to pass. Yep. Right. I forgot all about it till after the show. I was like, oh, shit, let me look at my phone. And it was a tight game. So and then everybody morphed real quickly. to you could tell everybody was looking at their phones. You're cheering around the festival grounds. Like, and everybody cool. just started to explode one, at, one after another. I'll get everybody getting the notifications. And then it was just, I mean, it wasn't a riot by any means, but it was a large number of people all celebrating of one thing. It was an incredible feeling. Boston is one of those great sports towns where, you know, you live and die like the fam. I think about Philly. I think about Boston. I think about New Orleans. Like I had a friend that was like, dude, if the saints, when the saints win in New Orleans, it's heaven on earth. Like the streets are just filled with joy. And he's like, but if the saints lose in New Orleans, it's a real bummer in the whole city. You know, I feel like Boston has that kind of, really passionate fan base ethos that i love yeah absolutely that's for sure completely accurate you got several thousand knuckleheads out there that were torn that you know to watch game seven of the celtics and then go see obviously metallica i think metallica might be the right choice there there was a lot of thousands of people there it was insane i mean there were so many people there did you end up dave did you end up getting uh the number the, the, the approximate total? No, not yet, because I haven't reached out to my buddy yet. Uh, Clint, a friend of mine was one of the organizers for the festival. Cool. Like, had a hand in booking a lot of the bands and whatever. So, I do know that some Boston media reported that Sunday had more people than Friday and Saturday combined. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. And there's... Uh, I've, I've only really seen one photo, but the, I don't know if it was somebody had a drone out and was kind of taking aerial shots of the crowd. And you could see yeah. Sunday night as Metallica was going on. I, I swear it looked like Moscow 91. People just kept going and going and going further back. So, okay. So there's a Friday night, a Saturday night, Sunday night, Metallica Sunday. Did you guys go to both nights? Like, I mean, Friday night, nine ish nails. Holy shit. I mean, that would be hard to pass up. I, I went Friday. I went really early Friday, right when the, festival started um i wanted to see paris jackson because she was the very first band that played 
um, I, I just thought it would be a trip because my first concert ever was Michael Jackson. I thought it would be kind of cool to go see his daughter. You're right. And fun. I was pleasantly surprised. They were they a cool little rock band. Like she was great. Uh, and then of course I ended up with their one of their set lists at the end. Nice. <laughs> Shocking. I know. <laughs> yeah, we. I saw that. I saw her. And then when my wife got out of work, she came and we watched Cheap Trick, who was cool. Um, then we went and saw Avril Lavigne. Cool. And then we, and then we went home. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're getting, we're, we're at an age now where like, you want to just go home and like get in our pajamas and go to sleep. And the answer is often yes. Yes. Yeah. I do. And yeah. I've never been a huge nine inch nails guy and neither was Lindsay. So we were like, you know what, whatever. We scoped it out, checked out what was going on. So when Clint, did you know that it wasn't originally nine inch nails for, I mean, pretty much all of the nights kept changing as far as who that who the lead act was going to be. I didn't know. What, what's the drama? What's the backstory with the uh, changing lineup? Friday night was originally supposed to be the Foo Fighters. Oh, right. And Saturday night was was originally supposed to be the Strokes. And, and Sunday was it originally Rage. Okay, wow. And the Foo Fighters obviously backed out for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, and then the Strokes, they got a positive, uh, either a single or a couple positive COVID tests on Friday Maybe early that afternoon or for our late Friday or something like that. And why did rage bail? They, cause they canceled a bunch of their tour dates. It was back in January that Metallica was added. So rage dropped. I think they canceled like half of their tour or something like that. Yeah. It's that's on the about right. It feels like it was so long ago. So Christian, did you just go to Sunday or did you go to both or did you go? I, I just, I just went to Sunday. So we sat, we got in there. Um, our, my local chapter had commandeered like the corner of the rail, the railed in section directly in front of the sound booth. Like, right. That's where we were we're against the rail. Our backs were to the rail. So we got in there early and glass animals was on the main stage that on the green stage where Metallica was going to play later. It was glass animals. And then Weezer on the stage to our left. And then, you know, then it was showtime when Metallica came out. So we, we saw all of glass animals. Uh, The sound kind of sucked on Weezer. We could barely hear them. Yeah, um, I, well, I shouldn't say it sucked. It just wasn't loud. So, and then you know it is what it is. And then, but then it, but then it was showtime. Well, yeah. When we get to when we get to the Metallica set, I got an email from Sean Gorman, who I know you know, Dave uh, Christian. I don't know if you've met Sean. I don't. But, I don't think yet. But he, um, he's a Bostonite. He went to the show, and where he was at, he said the sounds pretty rough. I'll read a little bit of his email to just bounce it off you guys, but. Sure. So tell me about the uh, in-between party and the Metal Up Your Podcast hang and stuff. That, oof, that, Sunday, Sunday we'll morning. Start with a lo- we'll start with a long night, a yeah. long day, long night. As most great epic stories do. So, so the blackened, blackened party in our local chapter, uh, Masters of Puppets, our fan club chapter, put together uh, this big hang. And there was a Alice in Chains tribute band and a Tool tribute band that played. And it was all, it was upstairs in the foundation room at House of Blues. Okay. So in it, uh, the blackened was flowing. <laughs> the ride, the lightning was flowing, which is what I'm uh, enjoying as we speak. <laughs> Cheers, touche. Uh, the bands were good. Uh, the, the party was fun. It was the, the whole gang was there. Christian, Amarta Hari, myself, Lindsay. Uh, uh, was Josh there? Or did we see Josh? On- Josh wasn't there, but, but Lou and his wife were there. Lou Delia was there. 
who was there with with Mrs. Lou? I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it was cool. It was kind of laid back. Like we were the chapter members. We all had like VIP privileges, which basically just got us into like a separate little room off to the side. That just had couches that we could just go full lounge position while we were drinking. There we go. And sitting and playing the snake bite that they were raffling off. Oh. Help ourselves to our new guitar. Yeah, that we didn't win. Pretty cool <laughs> raffle but gift. I got a great picture of Christian with the black snake bite. It felt, it felt real nice. Yeah, it did. Um, so we got, I, that kind of got the, the mood going for the night. And then basically the party ended. We just relocated with, what would you say? Maybe 10 or 12 people, Christian. We all ended up back at, at my place. And then the then the guitars came out and the music got louder and more back in came out and it we were going until what one two o'clock something three I don't even know <laughs> I don't I, t- time time meant nothing at that at that point yeah my but it my, was a great time yeah my buddy Doug was up with uh, his son Dylan from Connecticut Doug was the singer in my first band a hundred years ago. Uh, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years and he was taking Dylan to his first Metallica show. So they, he was just excited to be around people that, you know, he's really into Metallica, obviously. What was your band called? Dead weight. Dead weight. Dead weight. That's a great band. Name. Dude. Good night. Dark continent. We're dead weight. Part of the, uh, the jam session, if you will, was Doug and myself. We put on, our CD and I was trying to remember all the riffs <laughs> we were playing along with it. And that was very much towards the end of the night where I don't think anyone really was all there. Let's say. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> That's a really great time to try to remember old guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah, when you've yeah, got some whole, I'm like, I'm like, I, I fucking wrote this. I should remember this. <laughs> Eventually <it> came back. <laughs> so this was Saturday night. Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. So you guys blew it out Saturday night, had a great time. I wish I was there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So, you guys were where in Houston or Austin? Saturday night, we were in Round Rock. Oh, no, Saturday night, we were in Augusta, Arkansas. We played a very interesting show. We probably would have rather have been at Dave's house trying to remember some old riffs for dead weight. <laughs> Sunday, we were in Round Rock, Texas, and we had a good time because, uh, my friend Bob Schneider played, so I know all of the, his homies. And then uh, Zach Burkhalter, his wife Sierra, Angelo, and his wife Sarah came to the gig. So yeah, I saw the, oh, I saw the awesome. pictures of you guys. So we were having a little mini counterpart hang in Texas and definitely missed you guys. And we were happy everyone was together because we were kind of keeping up on Discord and through socials with some of the pictures and stuff. So it looked, f- I, I definitely saw pictures of Dave in his like living room or music room, you know playing a white guitar yeah, I, could, I didn't i couldn't believe namarda posted that video <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't even realize she was taking photos or videos i think i was playing leper messiah i think when she posted and i was like oh okay <laughs> okay so what's sunday like after a night like that is everyone kind of moving slow uh sunday morning sucked yes yeah. that is correct although not as bad as i probably should have been i was just dragging a little bit like we got up and namarda and hari were already out walking around by the water, just kind of hanging. And we were definitely slow going, getting up and getting moving before we headed in, you know, towards the city for the show, but not like really bad. We were just tired. So, but you know, but I hopped in the shower and I got out of the shower and I was like, 
hey, it's time to go see Metallica. Yeah, and that, that that kind of changes your mood a little bit. <laughs> that's yep, that's true. Very, very true. What time did you guys get there? I want to say maybe like one thirty, two o'clock. We got there. You think, yeah, because you guys got there a little bit before me, so I think that checks out. Yeah, and then we just kind of hung out by the. Um, we found there was no shade anywhere, but we found a spot with some shade, thankfully, and just kind of chilled out and killed some time before we saw where everybody was kind of gathering by the stage and headed over. So got in, got in a position nice and early. What's the pieceage for you guys when you, when you're in a festival type thing and you get there a little early, are you just drinking, trying not to drink much or are you befriending having your buddies hold the rail for you? Yeah, I, I don't drink at all when I go to see Metallica. Right. I, I don't want to have to worry about it. Yep. Yep. So Same. I had a big old water bottle on my hip, like just to take what I needed. And once I got into that spot, I didn't move until Metallica was done. And because we, because we all knew, and I'm sure Clint, if you look up, look up the, that, that aerial drone, you'll get the full feel for once the crowd started to come in, you could not move from your spot, even to adjust to even stick your arms out. You were shoulder to shoulder, if not tighter than that. Right. Kind of once five o'clock rolled around after glass animals came off and Weezer was kind of just finishing up doing their thing. People came in and yep. throves and just completely engulfed, couldn't move. So I'm like, this is where it is. If I have to pee, it is what it is. I'm not moving. Yeah. Yep. And, and we had a cool, there was kind of, there was a couple little, I guess, minor celebrity sightings in, uh, in the sound booth for the, I'll give him credit for this and I'm not getting political at all, but governor Charlie Baker from mass was in the sound tent for Metallica's entire set. Yeah. That's just cool. pumping like, like hanging out, like good, good on him. I have heard he's a piece of pretty big fan. Now I don't know to what level, but Hey, he was there the entire two hours jamming out. So props to him for that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, uh, Tuka Rask, who is the goalie for the Bruins for years. Um, he's friends with the band, but he was there as well. And then, uh, we found out the next day that, uh, Frankie Munez, Munez? From Malkin in the middle yeah. was, was there. I saw him, like, I didn't recognize him, but when I heard it was him, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. It definitely checks out. And I think, yeah. and I think the highlight was you're in the modest best friend. Cliff. Was Cliff. <laughs> yeah. Cliff Bernstein was there. That's all. Awesome. Did you guys talk to him? No, he, it was the, the, path from the booth to the stage was like separated with barriers so they you know they had a clear path to the stage to the board and all that so but where was it you guys saw him before was it leaving the 40th gigs or going to the 40th gigs um i met him at the first time i met him was snm too and then and then the marta ran into him at the airport in louisville we were leaving louder than life okay right and she texted it was she texted him was like that guy looks like Cliff Bernstein. And I was like, it is go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Metallica is just one of those bands where you, I mean, I'm sure there are other celebrities there. You guys didn't even see, I just got, I just imagine there's celebrities at all of their shows. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there was people up on stage off to the side or the VIP areas. I'm sure there was people. Okay, cool. So you, you kind of deal with glass animals. You, we, you hear Weezer on the other stage. They don't sound great. And I know yeah. you guys have been following the set list. And I, I think I even saw you call, Dave, that you were hoping to get the whiplash ride combo. Yeah, totally so I was, did. I was happy to see that you guys got that. Because what did they, they opened with Hardwired at the show before, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. I made a set list prediction in January, the day that they announced Metallica was playing it. Uh, and I got 11 out of 16 correct. Damn. 
So that pretty was, good. That pretty dope. I guess at this point, and this is what we were kind of doing with the arena shows too, is just guessing those rotating slots. Pretty much. That's what it comes down to. And then once you've kind of gotten a sense of what those are, and then if you're paying attention, you can kind of, you can kind of whittle it down a little bit. Yeah. 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 Right. There was, I was surprised at a couple things. I mean, we'll get to the set later, but there was a couple spots or a couple songs that surprised me that they were in there. So, yeah. And it was just an interesting order to the set list. It just wasn't the typical and trying, trying to little tease it here. Um, but just the order was it wasn't what I expected in the order of which in which they played them. I mean, yeah, the encore was pretty their standard formula, but the set was kind of was a little spicy as far as the order. Yeah, I like cool. the way that they ended the main set. I, yeah. I I think Whiplash into Ride the Lightning's worth the entire price of admission for me. And, I, and the best I part was what the watching the second that they opened with Whiplash. I could I could see Dave's eyes bulge out of his head and me kind of standing <laughs> behind him to the side because being a short person at these shows is not fun. But seeing the pure excitement in Dave turn into an inner child when the, when the tape for Whiplash started playing, and then and then when uh, when then when Lightning came in, same thing. It's like I called two in a row. He he was gone. He was on cloud nine <laughs> at that point. Well, I had only seen I had only seen Ride the Lightning once ever, so I was really really stoked to uh, to see that again. So, well, first of all, that might have just been Dave peeing. First of all, Christian, I don't know if anyone checked. But dude, you told me you weren't going to tell anyone that. Second of all, I haven't actually even seen footage of this. What's the intro tape like before Whiplash? What do they play? It's just the like the snare hits. Okay, the, gotcha. The, 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 it was kind of a lo- like an elongated with some some uh, some uh, some like volume swells couple yeah. snare hits and it was just kind of extended it and just kind of getting gradually louder and louder and louder do they yep. do the thing like they did on the stadium tour where the hardware intro would play and then almost like out of nowhere they would just appear like they just were immediately in front of you is it like that yes yeah like the the cubes on stage would kind of light up red a little bit like this one and then eventually they were all red and then the band was there and then they started so what a cool opener yeah yeah they and they they slayed it i mean whiplash they're i'm I'm kind of liking how they're playing a little closer to album speed. Yeah. Um, overall, because they're hitting they're when they're doing that, like whiplash and ride were probably, you know, obviously I didn't have a metronome, but they were probably pretty close to album speed. Like when they did, when they did battery on Colbert, it was yeah. like, it was flawless. It was, it was yeah. just right. Every, every note, every little gallop on the guitars, like you could hear all of it. It was really cool. And didn't they on the Colbert performance? Didn't they add back that section that they've been taking out for a yeah. while? Yeah. Yes. And so was that was that there for? I know that they, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but did they do that at the encore for this gig? No. no. Interesting. Interesting that they do that. That they make those yeah. decisions. I guess show by show basis. It's almost like they feel like they can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they're the authors and the composers, and I guess you can do whatever you want when you do that. So, how did Kirk, here, here's a question I have. How did Kirk do on the solo to Ride the Lightning? That's one of my favorite solos. Slayed it. Absolutely slayed it. Dude, Kirk, uh, aside from the thing we'll talk about later. Yeah. It might be the, it might be the best I've ever seen Kirk play overall. Yeah, I, I, I heard a lot of similar accounts. I heard he was like really great. It's so funny that he had probably one of the bigger... I, I, I put it pretty high on the clamometer. Uh, oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Which we'll, he, we'll get to that. He was but. every every couple of minutes. I was looking at Christian, and we were just like, you know, Kirk's ripping out like 
you know, the ride the lightning solo or something or, or yeah. later on Rome or Crete or whatever. And we're just looking at each other. Like he's fucking nailing this. Like yeah. every note killing it. Absolutely killing it. And I think that they could, they could all feel that energy. I, I know they all obviously are connected with each other on, on that sp- deep spiritual level, but you could see throughout the performance, especially even this early on James, all smiles the entirety of the time he was i it seemed like he was having the time of his life all happy all smiles it almost looked like he was surprised at how loud we were hmm. and like, i think how many people were there too to be honest 12 or 13 like there, there's a lot of people there <laughs> i'm told there were at least 100 people gathered at boston calling on sunday <laughs> <laughs> well you said you couldn't remember how many your friends said but like what i don't have a sense of how big that place is i mean are we talking 30,000, 50,000? He had told me a while back that I, I think he said the capacity was around 40. Okay. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise. I'm, I'm sure whatever the capacity was, that's where it was, whether it was 40 or 45 or who knows. I'm looking at some of the pictures now, just trying to get a sense of the crowd. And I can't, <laughs> I can't really tell. That's not where I'm going with that. But I'm noticing it looks like on one of his white snake bites. Did you guys notice that Papa H little pendant under the saddle? Yes. So I, t- I told Namarta, you might have been there too, Christian. I was telling Namarta so. about that. I couldn't remember the connection to the show. That's a listener of the show who he actually sent us those and he made these awesome, um, they look just like those pendants. They're really well made. I don't know how he made them. He's like a crafts, craftsman dude. And then he made like the Black Album pendants and there was, I believe one, like a Black Album era looking pendant also of Cliff that he'd made kind of in honor of Cliff. And and the Burtons got a hold of him because they wanted to like license them. And anyway, he he sent us a big long thing. It was like we were going to give them out. We have them. We I have, I have like a bunch in my garage, but we can't. They they respectfully asked us not to because I think they're going to try to market them or sell them or something. But I'm now looking at a picture of James, and I'm like, yeah, that's one of our fellow Metal Up Your Podcast nerds who yeah. made that, and, and James put it on his guitar, which is pretty neat. Made it on stage. That's kinda. pretty cool. <laughs> All right, so moving through the set list, anything other? Uh, well, the reason that I was actually looking at that guitar, because I know both you knuckleheads are guitar players, were you guys kind of honing in on the more technical side of that stuff? That's what I tend to do. At con- I have to try to actively will myself not to do it, but it's so hard if you're a guitar nerd to not be looking at like, oh, where their hands are and how they're playing certain parts. and Absolutely. Uh, yeah, like I was watching Kirk play that solo in Lightning, and I was just like, like, yeah. floored absolutely floored yeah and he, you know, he came out he started with the mummy <laughs> the first couple of songs and it was okay. he, he was great he was just great and and now more than ever partially partially thanks to the to the podcast too and just you guys being music music nerds and guitar nerds as well as now it's just taking a look at all right they're playing the mummy they're please playing the mummy for this song so which could mean it could be theoretically these couple of songs and then james comes out with this certain guitar they they play a song right. that they played as part of this set that may or may not be heavy <laughs> they they almost are little spoiler alerts if you're if you're as in if you're in as deep as we are they can be like little spoilers i remember when he brought yeah. out the purple like baritone i was like that dream no more here we go you know it's like yeah there were almost people around me when i said that that were like huh really oh man you know like I kind of bummed him out by calling it, you know, but I couldn't help it. Like at golf when they hold up the signs, it's like quiet, please. Like I'm a professional musician. Yeah, I had a little badge. I had a badge made that's just a pro, you know, professional musician. Fuck off. 
All right. So moving through the set list, any anything other interesting kind of going on? So they you get an early seek, which is fun. So just jumping back, jumping back a bit because you skipped. Uh, we we skipped memory. It was the the song itself. They played it great. Everything was incredible. But at the end, when when James is having the crowd and all of us sing along, we just we wouldn't shut up. Similar to the S and M two performance, Lars is like, "Come on, keep it going, keep it going," and then ultimately. I think it was James as it's like, all right, next song, let's go. Yeah, we were loud. Yeah. At some point, they're just going to start bringing a fire hose out, like just spray everybody until they stop. Like Ozzy used to do. I honestly would have liked that. It would have cooled us off. Yeah, Seek was cool. Um, Seek is Seek. You know, it's cool little sing along. Uh, But after Seek, when they played Holier, Holier is a pretty ripping song to begin with. But they played like the nineteen eighty five. Love that full of piss and vinegar speed metal version of Holier. That it was, it was so fast, and that was I was surprised it was that that it was that song that they played that fast because every other song was right in the pocket. If not, yeah, um, yeah. One of the next songs was like sad. Was just a little bit slower than they usually play it, so it was kind of nice and groovy, a little bit more groovy in the pocket. Mm-hmm. But Holier was was ripping. Yeah, Sad was really slow, actually, when they played it. Yeah, that song's always better when it's slower. That yeah. memory, when they play yeah, those yeah. slow, they're, they're always groovier, for sure. I kind of like that they played Holier fast, though, too. Yeah. I need to look this show up and listen to it. They ripped it. I can't wait to uh, get the... I'm sure they'll do the CD and I'll grab it and whatever because it was it was pretty badass. You think the clam uh, the clam city moment will be on the recording? I hope so. I hope it. I is. hope so too. They're human, just like the rest of us. Yeah, I, I hope so too. I do too. It, it, yeah, it was that was entertaining. But we'll, like I said, we'll get to that. But it was it was something that's for sure. It's what makes that show fun. Now it's interesting. I feel like the song one this early in the set is also pretty interesting. Usually they put this towards the end of the main set. And it's that's been kind of in the middle like that, even since like Death Magnetic. It's been hanging out in like fifth, sixth, seventh around there. It's nice there. It's like nice to have a big epic right there in the middle. Yeah, and it's a little bit of a break at the beginning. It's not necessarily too technical early on, and obviously, as we all know, it picks up and it and it gets fast and heavy. But yeah, I think it's just a nice break for everybody in the audience. It's just kind of kind of compose yourself a bit before they reel it, before they get back into it. One of the things I noticed, uh, Clint, you mentioned that the sound and some, I forget whose email you said that you had. Um, when they started one, when Kirk came in with that lead in the beginning, it was really loud. His guitar was really, really loud and they, they caught it and they kind of balanced it out, but it was just like hit you in the face, like out of nowhere. So let me read a little bit. So it was Sean Gorman who's a good friend of the show, cool dude. He knows what he's talking about. And so here's how he described it. Now he's, he's, you know, he doesn't beat around the bush. So he had, a, he had a pretty different experience. So he talks about, I'm going to condense some of it, but he basically talks about some of his credentials. He's a huge fan. He sees the band every time they come through Massachusetts. He's loved all the shows, blah, blah, blah. He says, I don't think this had anything to do with the boys, everything to do with the sound at the Boston Calling Music Festival which I've come to find out has been a persistent issue. He says, something was terribly wrong with the sound. I don't specifically know what, but it was evidently clear as soon as they opened with Whiplash. He said, as even the people around him were looking around, and he described a couple of things. He said, number one, the sound was very quiet. He says, I could have easily have had a conversation with the person next to me at a normal speaking volume like you would at a restaurant. He said, it was also muffled as if you were listening to your stereo with a towel over the speakers. 
And he says the volume and mix kept fading in and out, going left to right, which made me think, was it windy? A little. There was a little breeze. A little. I think early on, it was a little bit more windy. Because audio waves can be blown like that in the wind. I didn't yeah, know if you... Right. And I, yeah, I'm guessing, definitely, it definitely probably could have contributed. And I'm guessing he must have been farther away than you guys. One thing I definitely didn't, I noticed, is a lack of like monitor speakers or something. The second where we were at the sound booth, I didn't really see any any speakers behind us to kind of keep pumping the music in from the back too. So I can see that you're just kind of in this small condensed half shell. And then once you're outside of that, I think maybe the sound didn't carry that well, but I can see that because we noticed a little bit with Weezer, we could hear, we could hear their volume adjustments being adjusted often. Maybe that was just wind or other issues or whatever, but I, I can I can kind of see that being an issue. The third thing he points out, he says one of he says one drum on Lars's kit kept popping each time he hit it. He says like when you crank your stereo too loud and the speakers can't handle it, the snare on Saint Anger sounded divine compared to to it. So that's kind of what he was noticing. I didn't know if you guys had a similar notice notice a weird drum or no. I didn't notice that either. No. But as we all as as we all know too, at a festival outside that late with wind, there's such a different number of variables that I'm sure could cause that, even if you were 50 feet away from where we stood. Well, that plus, and, and Clint, I know you know this, we were standing 10 feet in front of the mixing board. Like, that's the right. best place you could be. Well, that's where the guy who's mixing the whole show is hearing it, so. Right, right. like, so we were in a prime spot for sound. You know, I can't speak to off to the sides or further back or yeah. real up real close, you know. But I there were some spots I noticed where there it was like some volume issues just overall like loudness or quietness or whatever would kind of fluctuate a little bit i heard it a little bit with rob particularly but that could just be what he's playing he's not really he's just kind of sliding in sliding in that same groove pocket and he's not really kind of going crazy to kind of be in his own space i, I hate to say it but I never, I don't remember hearing issues like that when, uh, when Big Mick was behind the board. So Mick's still not back. That's the deal, huh? No. So I'm hearing no names will be in this, but, um, I'm sure you've heard the rumors that he was having health issues. Yep. Um, but I've, I've heard since then that he was kind of leaning towards retirement pre COVID. Sure. And that the break kind of precipitated that a little bit. And that what this person is hearing is he's probably not going to be back. So they got some new blood behind the big seat, and that's going to take a minute. Even if they got a killer, which I'm sure they did, yeah, uh, that's going to take a minute to get the reins on that. Yeah, I, I, I do not know who it is. I don't know his name. And the Met fam, I think we all get that. We're all cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, so moving back into this, I'm glad where you guys were. It sounded good. I mean, I've I've definitely even from the stage seen that scene like. Pockets of people. I can always tell that the sound is weird when people look kind of confused. You know, like when people are rocking, it's, I'm like, it must sound good because they're not worried about anything. But when people look kind of confused, I'm like, something must be wrong, you know? And that's kind of just the nature of live sound, especially outside, especially if there's right. weather, weather involved. That's just shit you and, can't and get around. And even though they planned this, this festival for, uh, it had been originally, of course, planned for 2020, and we all know kind of what happened with that mm -hmm. but um i can definitely think there's still there still can be those kinds of issues because i mean metallica was far louder than any other band that played at, at least i know i could speak of on sunday oh, yeah. but they were far louder than everybody else 
Definitely. You know, Sean mentions that. Hold on. Let me go back to his email just for one second. He says, the Nine Inch Nails was so loud the night before that the city of Boston received a bunch of noise complaints and maybe Metallica was told to keep it down. Like maybe there was a kind of city reaction to how loud Nine Inch Nails was. I'm not sure if you guys heard any rumblings about that. I guess it's possible, but I do know that there is a hard 11 o'clock curfew. Gotcha. So, I mean, maybe that could have happened. I'm not saying it didn't because I I haven't heard anything one way or the other. I can also understand too, people are going to complain just to complain if there's outside music that they don't agree with because Metallica is the music of the devil or whatever (laughs) complaint that they come up with and they're trying to sleep on a Sunday night. Yeah. It's the world. Just welcome to the world. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Live music is gonna is gonna continue to happen. You mentioned Rob. How is how was Rob's vibe? How was he looking and playing? And did his vibe seem good? Beast. Yeah. Yeah. Beast. I've been thinking about him after that. You know, it's all that kind of loud wire type press that comes out. You know, all, obviously all the kind of metal rags broke the Kirk. Nothing else matters thing. But you know, you guys saw the the loud wire thing about like James and Rob almost get into a fight or whatever, and it's really just like every single every single article. I'm not going to say spun it out of proportion, but took it completely took it out of context. Some more than others. Yeah. That's pretty funny. We won't name names here because we don't have enough time for that, but they're they're human beings just like the rest of us. Even if there's truth to that, like Clint, I'm sure you've had times on stage where you looked and you wanted to murder Ethan because he screwed something up. I'm just kidding, Ethan. (laughs) But some, you know, maybe you talk about something before the show and about, what to do or what not to do. And then somebody does or doesn't do what you had just talked about. And it, in the moment you're pissed and, or, you know, but then it's over and it's done with. Yeah. I, I read it and was like, Oh yeah, totally. I've only been in that position 800 times. And I can't remember someone, someone posted a link to, uh, I think it was like a 45 minute long interview or something like that, that Rob did and, and kind of where the story originally spawned from. Right. And from what I remember from it, it was at least a couple of weeks ago. So my memory isn't great, but it was just a, it was just a pretty simple thing that just took out, was taken out of context. It's almost like all the media picking it up and turning it into that is more of a problem than like the day that that happened where you have to like, right. I wonder if they had to like even address it. Like, Hey, all this shit's going around. We're cool. Right. Yeah. We're cool. Jesus. You know? Right. So whiskey in the jar, how's that sounding? And is James doing those leads? Yeah. And when he's doing the leads, does he have that octave effect on it where it sounds like the low and high octave? And, um, it was pretty straightforward as I, I don't remember hearing any octaves. Um, okay. I got it. I have to add. So this was my wife's eighth show. Like she's been a trooper the last five years. Yep. And her favorite Metallica song period is whiskey in the jar. Awesome. Every time we go to see them, they don't play whiskey and she walks out kind of bumming and she's re- resigned herself to the fact that we're probably going to have to go to Ireland to see them play whiskey. <laughs> so, well, it, and it got, and it was even worse when we saw the set list for the Friday show in Napa and they played whiskey in the jar. Right. Because I saw it and I looked at her and I was just like, fuck, sorry, babe. Like, you know, don't think we're going to see it Sunday. So, when that popped up, I have a picture of her just bopping around and she just looks so incredibly happy and it made me happy even more so to see how happy that band made her. And it totally was did. awesome. It was awesome. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And it saved you quite the trip, didn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, who knows? We might end up going anyways. <laughs> <laughs> head to the head to the local Harvard Athletic Complex might be a little easier than Slane Castle. I'm. I, that was the, the best part of this w- was that it was local. Like totally. In the last five years, I've done Baltimore, San Francisco twice, Louisville, Denver, Charlotte, like all over the damn place, and they're finally you know twenty minutes from my house. It was great. So when they play songs like Rome and Bells. Are you? How are you guys feeling about those? Kind of classic. I'm not big on Rome, but I love the give and take with with James and the audience. It's great. I I, I like that song. Like if I were to hear it on, if it came up like on my iPod or something, I I might skip it. But you hear it live, and it's just like you said. It's it, I mean, it's like iconic. It's like one of those songs that like okay, you know. And I'm and I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm the opposite of that, but at least. Like Rome is one of the ones where I will never, I, I don't know if I've ever, ever turned it off. If anything, I'll turn it up to 11. Yeah. I'm, I'm like that too, with really any black album song. The only, I will say when the solo, the, the ending, the fade outs long, my finger will drift over during that. I can, I can see that. Yes. But I can Absolutely. make it through the, I can make it through 75% of it for sure. And then Bells is so short, it's almost like no problem. Right. It was a blink of an eye and it was, and it was already over. Bells is always welcome on a set list for me. It's not a Metallica show without Rob doing the crab walk. No, it is not. <laughs> no, it is not. And that's that's the big one. That and I would I would put I would put the Seek and Destroy helicopter vibe probably on par with the crab walk. I'm yeah. at this point in the game, I'm gonna feel a little bummed if I don't see that. Yeah. The helicopter yeah. or the crab. And one thing that was funny is just let's circle back to Bells for a second. Is uh, after Rob does the intro when they go they go into the next part, Kirk and Rob do the whatever you want to call it a chase the crab chase the crab chase and you you could kind of see kirk was kind of struggling and wasn't really feeling it yeah dude at a certain point they're gonna be like my back hurts too much to do this dude <laughs> like i'm 60 years old dude leave me alone <laughs> i know man that's funny I, kirk's kind of painted himself into a corner with that by by play, you know him and rob seem to have the the closest like actual friendship off stage it seems like to me i don't have any knowledge of that but I'm sure it started out as a lot of fun, but now it's like, man, how long are we going to do this? I don't know if I want to keep right. doing this part. Well, I think Rob's done that at every show he's played since 1995. <laughs> yeah, Rob's in. It's really more about old Kirky Poo, like committing, you know. At some point, he's going to have to be like, hey, this is the last night I'm going to do that bit with you, just FYI. So let's let's make it a good one, baby. Kirk, I know you're listening. I know you hear this. Keep going with the crap chase, dude. Keep it up. <laughs> you can do it, dude. Just wear a lighter guitar when you play bells. You'll be fine. Yeah. And don't trip. Get a chambered guitar and don't trip and be careful, baby. We need those hips and those knees to be intact. I am partial to the For Whom the Bells into the Creeping Death combo because I like I like all the Ride the Lightning love. And then into Fade to Black too, man. They played they played what? Half of they played <laughs> they half played, of Ride the Lightning. They did. They played up four out of the eight songs. Five, I think. Insanity. Oh, wait, did they do five? One, two, three, four, five. Four, right? Lightning, bells, yeah. creep, fade. Am I missing one? Did I forget how to count? Oh, no, it was four. No, I forgot how to count. Lightning, bells, creep, and fade. Yeah, right. one, two, four. And escape. Don't forget that one. They, they opened and closed yes. with escape. We're so good at the math portion here on my <laughs> know, podcast, dude. everybody. I love the math when math comes up. Spiritual math. They did 17 songs off Ride the Lightning. There we go, dude. That's the real math right there. So I'll tell you a few moments. Dude, Namarta was cracking me up on the Discord today because 
and I know we're working towards it, but she said when Kirk did like the first little interlude and nothing else matters, she said she knew he wasn't going to land it. it was, which you could kind of see he didn't he didn't start <laughs> off on the right foot, and I just don't think he could he could catch himself at that point. Because you could see something was a bit off. The only other moment of the set, like if we're talking kind of a standard set, which festival set's kind of standard. The only other moment that I like feel that kind of like trepidation for him is the beginning of Fade to Bl- the Fade to Black solo, which is probably my favorite of the kind of ballady intro solos. Um, how did he do on Fade to Black? Did he nail his parts there? Killed it. Yeah, yep. killed it. Awesome. Everything was, as you say, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Hell yeah. Everything Kirk was on fire for in his, in his tone at the beginning of one has gotten a lot better. There's, there's a little bit more chorus on it. I mean, I don't really know the effects, but it's a little bit more, there's a little bit more to it than, than has been in the past. So I think he's added some color. Yeah. It tends to be a little dry, which is always a little curious to me. And I've noticed that too, the little bit I've dipped in, I'm like, well, even though nothing else, it's funny too, because it's the vantage points and it's all like compressed iPhones, but. One of the vantage points I saw seemed to be like stage right far back and it sounded super weird, like real compressed and weird. And then I saw a video of someone really close and it actually sounded big and round and pretty. Yeah. M- minus the note choice, <laughs> you know, the, the note choices. But every time he nails that beginning of Fade to Black, I'm always like, hell yeah, that's my boy. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of those ones where you nail that and the night's going to go just fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know that. Yep. And then, uh, and the puppets was just, they slayed puppets. I still can't, the, the, the amount of times I've seen them play it, you know, in person or, or watched videos of it and that spider riff and James just down picking the whole damn thing. It's crazy. And, like, and we have seen him at some shows lately, not necessarily lately. I'm not going to say take it easy because this is James Hetfield we're talking about. But he's not necessarily playing every, sometimes every single note in creep when, yeah. they're, when they're kind of doing that riff part. It sometimes seems like yeah. he'll kind of take, take a bar off or a beat off or something like that and just kind of hold a knee or something. But I don't, I don't think he took a break all night. No. Particularly on, on puppets and especially that spider riff part. Well, yeah. And I don't see how you can. Like it demands, that demands the, the 100%, first of all. But also, one, I think... Dave, you may disagree or Christian may disagree. I think Master of Puppets, like pound for pound, the whole 10 minutes of it, is one of the hardest songs to play, like start to finish in their catalog. Yep. Just happens to be probably their greatest song. You know, and it goes to the, the interlude part in the middle. Like, that's you get a not, break there. That's not particularly difficult to play. Right. Right. Um, but, the, but the parts that are difficult are really fucking difficult. <laughs> I think doing those verses in time is hard, like doing them in tempo. Yeah. And singing. And then singing. Oh, dude, the singing over it's what really tips him over the edge for me. But like the, um, and then I love the Bowie riff after the solo where they mm-hmm. all, they all tend to go back to the drum riser. The little, the little scale. I don't know why when James gets up there behind Lars on the riser and he's just playing, I don't know. It's just such a badass. Like, I was smiling that entire time. You could, you could, and I, I kind of just jump, I guess, in general for, for a bit. James was just making a couple, a couple jokes, and I'm sure we'll, we'll, touch, we'll touch on those, particularly um, the, the woman who had the baby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, James was just up there having a great time. He was, he was laughing. He was smiling at absolutely everybody. He was just kind of during some of the songs. He's just making, you could tell he's making eye contact with as many people that he could in the crowd and just giving them a, a nod of, 
you're not alone. We love you too. The whole, the whole deal. And he was, he was totally vibing all night. Definitely, man. I, I love to hear that. I'm, I'm happy to see him smiling and happy and I don't know what he's going through or what's up or what his life's like or how hard it must be to keep doing what he's doing at his age. And, but he does seem to be really happy, which makes me, you know, oddly proud. I don't know if you guys know, I'm like ha- happy for him in a weird way. And it's funny. So, so to your point exactly is, uh, Dave and I were talking about this last night at the very late hour last night um, is I think after he opened up last week or week and a half ago at, the, at that show, where he's like, I haven't really been feeling myself feeling like an old man. I can't play anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Right. I think that's him. T- of course, taking another step at admittance of he's just the normal person, just like the rest of us, but also too. I think that really put him in a good spot to see that the kind of reaction that I'm sure he knows that anything he says to any single, any one of us that will be able to relate and give him whatever he needs or whatever, any of those guys need, whatever they need, we will give to them. Sure. Energy, love, happiness, prayers, whatever, whatever they need, we'll give it to them. But it was just so great to see how happy James was. It made all of us happy even more so. He he didn't have any parents, you know. So he grew up he grew up having to take care of himself, period, by himself. Like that's what he knows. Yeah. You know. And so and then he got into the Bay Area thrash scene, which I got to imagine wasn't real cool on sharing of feelings. Remember in the year and a half in the life of when when his dad showed up at the studio that one day. Remember that? Yeah, super weird. And how and how awkward James looked yeah. like just it was him being it to, you, you could tell like being in that room must have been like really tense. And then you see later when his dad passed away, they I don't I don't remember where I saw it. Some interview, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Where he kind of revisits that time that his dad came back around and he's like, you know, we went hunting, we we tried to hang, we tried to form a connection. It just wasn't there, you know. Yeah. Like how could you how could you forgive somebody who left you and then your your mom dies and they never come back for you? I mean, it's like so that's what he was like born into. So being on, and I bet sitting around the campfire in Vale telling his buddies that he's feeling old and sad and disconnected and like he can't do this anymore is hard enough, let alone telling 50,000 people and now got their phones up. So yeah, I mean, that's, I think, I think like most people who have a platform like that for him to, for him to just even do that, who knows how many people that helps, you know? And, right. and it sets him free. Like it, it sets him free from like the judgment of it. Because like what you were saying, Christian, like he was embraced by like all of us, of course, like the world's mm-hmm. different, you know, we're not all at Ruthie's Inn who are going to like kill the posers who have feelings. And, and, and ever and, and I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but now more than ever, either ads or these news articles will pop up analyzing the Boston Calling show and giving it review and you get sucked into looking at the comments and it's Metallica sucks at the Black Album. Or, or whatever. It's like, we're, men, we don't talk about our feelings type thing. And I'm like, grow the fuck up. Yeah, I agree. You can set your clock to it. Like, you, you just know it's coming. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. just, I just don't, don't have time. I, I mean, I can only speak for me, but just don't have time for that kind, for that kind of negativity. No. It's, it's, not, it's, not worth, it's not worth anybody's energy. It's not worth even sharing that you're a piece of shit and you just feel like complaining on the internet about a band that's been going for 41 years. It bores me. Like, you know what I mean? Like it has no power. So it's like, 
I, I mean, at, at my age, you know, we're all of similar ages. It's like, I've just been through too much. And that band was with me through all of it. So, mm-hmm. oh, Kirk, Kirk doesn't play as, or whatever, Lars, <laughs> like, you just can't even, I, I've got the shield on, dude. Like, I've done too, I've been through too much with the band. I'll tell you what, two things about Lars, the machine gun part is one, nailed it. My man. I know, I know what I heard with my ears, and he fucking nailed that. Love it. Seconded. And then the solo, the whole solo section of Fade to Black with the double bass played all the way through the nailed it. All the Beautiful. way through. Love it. And that's, you know, sometimes those can be a little sloppy Joe here and there, but yeah. nailed them. Nailed them both. It was tight. It was real tight. So they go off with puppets. You guys are waiting for the encore. You guys know that it's going to be a thrashy tune. And what did what did they have done the show before? Battery. Oh, they did battery before too. Yeah. So I was shocked. Wow. When, when they started the intro for battery, the tape came out. I was shocked. That's rare. But no, no complaints. I'm sure from any of us. Oh no, I'm not complaining. I'm I know. Not. I know that wasn't what you wanted, Dave. But I was very pleasantly happy with. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say like you weren't pleased by seeing battery, but. Well, what were you hoping for? I was assuming because they had just done battery. That's all I was basing it on that. It was either going to be blackened or fight fire with fire or maybe spit like one of those three. And uh, yeah, the tape for battery started. I was like, okay, cool. It's battery. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. The good news is every song in that rotating slaughter is so fucking awesome that it, it, there's no losing, at least as far as I'm concerned. But how, how great is for whom the bell tolls, creeping death, fade to black, master of puppets, and battery, just one after the other, after the other. <laughs> Especially if like I always think about, and I know that I know they think about this too, you know? Like I always think about this is someone's first Metallica show. Like to someone, to lots of people out there, that is like the most mind-blowing run of songs. That's how amazing they are to me. That's that's why I dedicate so much of my life to them, is because they can do a five, six song run like that, and you're like, wow. That is all killer, no filler for sure. Yep. All right, so let's do the nothing else matters moment. So a few of you have said that you, he got off to a wrong footing from the start. So what does that mean? He he just seemed unsure well, because the video I saw, it seemed like when he did the first kind of six notes, it was kind of business as usual. So I got to wonder, he had some sort of a bandage on one of his fingers on his picking hand and, and he finger picks all that. So I think that could have played into it or, or contributed to it. But yeah, like, yeah, the first couple of notes started off okay. And then like he, you know, inadvertently like muted one note or something while he was, and then all of a sudden in real time, you see in the video, 
in real time as I'm hearing it and my inner monologue in my brain, it's like, Oh my God, uh, 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 he, he's going to have to stop. Like what, what's, what's happening? How, and I turned and I looked at Christian, I think, and I looked back up and then he stopped and then he like, you know, fell onto the stage and I'm just like, my jaw was, I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> it seems to me like even before he fell, like did the mock fall, like, Oh, you know, I'm out of it. He, he, once he hit like two of the bad notes and they were so bad and he knew, he knows what's up. Yeah. He intentionally hit some really bad notes yeah. to kind of, and then yeah, yeah. I think that was part of the, the gimmick. And then he fell. I love that Rob, who's ever his homeboy, always his homeboy <laughs> rushes out. <laughs> there, he's, he's pretending to blow, you know, like maybe he passed out from the heat. Kurt gets up. He's got a smile on his face. He says, you know what? I got distracted by how fucking awesome you got. It was like, he handled it as good as you could have. It was perfect. Couldn't couldn't agree more. It was it, it was the most perfect fuck up you could do. That's all you can do, man. All you can do is just have, unless like I remember when James fell into that hole in the stage on Now oh, That We're Dead. Yeah, that was scary because he could have like really been injured and like broken his ribs. So when he when he kind of hopped up from that, it wasn't all fun and games. It was like oh thank goodness, something like this or like the time that Kirk tripped and fell and then he rolled around. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you can do, dude. That's all you can do. Just lean into it and have fun always. We all know that's the motto totally. around here. Here's, what the, here's the thing, though, okay? Have you guys ever seen a spider in your shower? Everyone, everyone's seen a spider shower at least once. It's, a, it's not a fun thing, all right? And here's the deal. Your next 20 showers are not pleasant because all you can think about is a spider in the shower. I wonder if like his next 20, nothing else matters. He's going to be thinking about Boston, and it's going to be the pressure's going to be on, dude. Before he kind I'm of, sure. I think he, I think he's got ten to fifteen of those ahead of him, where he starts to ease up again on that intro, and I, I hope it just doesn't bum him out too much. I hope it doesn't psych him out, you know. And and the best part about that is, I mean, yeah, we're all laughing about it now because we can all understand that where he's coming from. Oh, dude, I was you know, laughing about it. Human, just like the the, <laughs> the rest of us, but it happens. We're all we're all having a good time. Totally, I was laughing about it as soon as it happened. That was my immediate. Just <laughs> once I realized what was going on, I just started laughing. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> well, so then when he when he kind of reboots it and he does like the part that he'd already gotten to, he kind of speeds it up to get to the part. Oh, he flew does, through does, it. He flew through it. Yep. Does James come out and pat him on the back, give him some support or something? Yeah, it's, I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, pat on the back or like a little tap or something. Yeah, and it's so obviously a lot of us like the chatter amongst all the fans and in the podcast community is obviously very pro Kirk, supportive. What was the crowd's vibe like? Were they very generous? Were they supportive? I didn't really hear any. I didn't really hear anybody particularly complain about it, like or yell like "Oh, Kirk sucks" kind of thing. Right. I think everyone was just kind of sticking in the moment of it. And I, granted, I'm pontificating on what I feel everyone else should have been thinking, but I think everyone there was just was just along for the ride. Yeah. Mistakes happen. I just heard uh, a handful of like, oops, or what the fuck, or, you know, <laughs> kind of half serious, half like. Right. But yeah, nothing, nothing like that or anything. It was cool. It was, it was you know what? It was a moment. It's what I've will hereforth now refer to as the great Boston Kirk Fuffle of 2022. So, <laughs> so, and at least now you know you've got it behind you. You know, it's like if you 
if you own a motorcycle, you're like, well, I'm going to lay it down at least once. At least when you do it, you're like, well, there it goes. I did it. Now I can have fun right. and not worry about it. And then I'm guessing Sandman, which is business as usual. Great song. Fun to see a bunch of people. For a lot of people there, it's probably their favorite or most well-known Metallica song. And then so you're watching tens and tens of thousands of people shout exit light in or night. That's got to be fun. It is fun. I've been there. Yeah, the crowd was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. I'll give them that. And, 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 and I know that's always the last song they play. And I know everyone kind of gets into it because it's their arguably one of their, their most well-known songs, but everybody was singing every word. I think everyone was so caught up in the moment. It was so loud. Everybody was so happy. You could just feel, you could feel it. You could really feel it. And that's what it's all about. That's definitely what it's all about. Well, I very much appreciate you guys taking the time. Last minute, Dave, I know you're on vacation visiting some buddies. Christian, I'm sure you got a lot going on. I appreciate you guys chatting with me and letting me know what it was like to be there. And uh, I wish I could have been there with you. And I look forward to many more Metallica shows with both of you dudes. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here. And we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slane Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. <laughs> I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different. 